Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. I'm Victoria Cash. Thanks for calling the Lucky Land Hotline. If you feel like you do the same thing every day, press 1. If you're ready to have some serious fun for the chance to redeem some serious prizes, press 2. We heard you loud and clear. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com right now and play over 100 social casino-style games for free. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. I'm Victoria Cash. Thanks for calling the Lucky Land Hotline. If you feel like you do the same thing every day, press 1. If you're ready to have some serious fun for the chance to redeem some serious prizes, press 2. We heard you loud and clear. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com right now and play over 100 social casino-style games for free. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. A new beginning. Let's go. Started back rocking the brown. Ever since we've been knocking them down. Baby said she want to go to the game. Taught her how to say Padre gang. Started back rocking the brown. Ever since we've been knocking them down. Mitchell and Ness with the old school name. All of the homies holler Padre gang. Yeah, that and good day, everybody. Welcome on in. This is episode 151 of the Talking Friars podcast and YouTube show presented by Gaglione Bros, famous cheesesteaks and garlic fries. They're inside Petco Park tonight, uh, the whole season, uh, serving great garlic fries and cheesesteaks located in Point Loma and Mission Gorge as well. Uh, Gaglionebros.com to view their entire menu, their locations, their addresses to their phone numbers to contact them as well. Uh, but today, as for today's episode, we got a special guest today. He joined us on episode 45. And so more than 100 episodes later, we got Jim Callis on again. Jim Callis, thank you so much for hopping on. I'm glad to be here, Ben. Always like talking Padres with you. Love it. All right. So if anyone has any questions as we're live here, make sure to put them in the chat if we don't get to them. Uh, but just going to start off uh, with Gore and Abrams. Uh, Mackenzie Gore went five and thirds innings in his major league debut on Friday, giving up two earned runs, first major league start. I had a video uh, breakdown that I put out, and I thought that he looked good with his fastball. He didn't; His slider wasn't great, so he went back to that fastball. Uh, but he was really pinpointing that fastball pretty well. I know he gave up uh, one mistake, or one mistake really, there maybe a couple mistakes, but like the Ozuna RBI was a bloop uh, double, bloop single that barely was fair. Just what were your uh, takeaways for Gore's uh, Major League debut? 
Yeah, I, I thought you, you kind of point out something that was born there, Ben. Like, I, I don't really think he had a whole lot working at its best other than the fastball. And yet the fastball was good enough and he was able to survive, you know, and actually pitch pretty well. I agree with you. It's like the slider wasn't super effective. Guys weren't chasing it. He wasn't getting a lot of swings and misses with it. But um, it was just nice to see. I mean, after two years of, of him kind of struggling and us wondering, I mean, it's no secret. I've always been a big Mackenzie Gore fan, but two years of him struggling and wondering what was going on and you know, the mechanics kind of fell apart and he had trouble with consistency of the stuff and, I saw him in the fall league last year where he made three starts. One was really good in his first one. One was really bad. One was just kind of okay. And I saw the just kind of okay one. I was impressed. You know, I mean, we had heard, you know, I didn't get to see him in spring training live. But, you know, like everybody who follows prospects or follows Padres, I'd heard that he'd done well in spring training. And I was anxious to see, you know, is that going to carry over to the big leagues in his debut? And I, I thought he did a good job. And I was really, like I said, impressed. But even though he didn't have four pitches working, everything wasn't you know necessarily pinpoint. He was able to to, to get by and, and succeed. So it, I thought it was really encouraging first start. How uh, how long do you think McKenzie you know will have that major league life? As for this year, like when Mike Clevenger comes back and Blake Snell comes back, do you think that the Padres will keep him up, or is it more indicative on what he does this series against the Reds if he? pitches another five, six solid innings, does is does that is that really what determines if he, you know, stays up? I think some of each, but I mean I think the fact that we have expanded rosters, you know, still for a while, uh, teams don't have enough pitching. The Giants Dodgers are already off the great starts and the Potters are, are are clearly trying to win this year. I, I think that they're gonna go with the guys getting the best chance to win. So I think while injuries did give him his opportunity I think how well he pitches will determine how long he stays. <laughs> Dog's going a little crazy here in the background. Um, but I, I think, you know, if he continues to perform well, you given that, that nobody has enough pitching right now, you know, especially coming off the lockout and the short spring training, then I think that'll give him the chance to stick up. But I, I, I mean, I, I don't think it would surprise me either way if they said, okay, our starters are back healthy now. We want him to get some regular innings. Or if they said, hey, he's pitching well, we're going to keep him. So, um, you know, I, even if they send him down, I mean, I'm sure we will see him again and probably pretty soon this year. Where do you think McKenzie's ceiling is, considering that he is back to that guy uh, that you loved, you know, previously before he, you know, really had that big uh, decline last year? And even in 2020, but we didn't really know a whole lot about that. Yeah, we didn't get to see it firsthand because it was all at the alternate site. Um, right. Yeah, I mean, I, I you know, at one point, you know, before that stuff started happening, he was the best pitching prospect in, in baseball then. And he, uh, you know, I think he still has that frontline starter ceiling is still there. You know, he's going to have to be consistent. You know, he's going to have to show, you know, and again, you can't read everything into one start. They're like, okay, it's definitive. He's 100% back. But if he continues to show that he can repeat his mechanics and, and repeat quality stuff, like he did in spring training, like he did in that first start, then then I think you can look at him, you know, being a guy who pitches, you know, at the front of a rotation again and is an all-star caliber starting pitcher. Um, again, I, I'm not willing to say, okay, after one start, he's back. It's, it's all good. But, like, he definitely still has that ceiling, I think. Mm -hmm. And now during the offseason, I don't know if you heard this, but Ruben Niello, the Padres pitching coach, gave McKenzie – uh, Gore some exercises to work on during that lockout and kind of with it to work on his lower half uh, and his arm slot. Do you have any uh, additional information on, you know, what really, what exercises was going on there and what specifically 
he was working on? No, I, I don't have any specifics per se. Um, I mean, but it sounds like they're trying to get him stronger so he could do a better job of repeating his delivery. I mean, he's he's always had the big leg kick and, you know, it just, you know, his mechanics got away from him in 2020 and, and for a lot of 2021. So I, I don't know specifically what they had him do, but that's when, when, I, when I heard them talking about that on, on the first broadcast. That's what sounded to me like you're trying to get a guy who'd be stronger so he'd be able to, you know, repeat and maintain his delivery better than he had the last two years. Right. And then with C.J. Abrams, obviously made his debut, uh, home debut, hit that home run to left. How do you see Abrams profiling, not just in the infield, but in the outfield? Because that seems long term what's going to end up happening, uh, because it feels like when Tatis comes back, you're going to have Cronenworth at second. Hosmer is hard to trade. So you would think that Abrams would be in the outfield, whether that's right field in place of Myers, who's been struggling, you know, at the start of the season. Just where do you think he profiles in the outfield? Definitely in center field. I mean, again, I mean, depending on, on you know, if they would prefer Grisham there, you can have a right fielder with great range. I mean, that's, that's an asset too. Um, but, yeah, no, I mean, I, I think that's the case. I mean, I do think in his case, given how little he's played with injury last year in the pandemic in 2020, He's off to a little bit of a slow start, which I, I don't think is to be unexpected given how much time he's missed and how few at-bats he's gotten. Like To me, I think when guys are healthy, it's more likely that they send him to AAA to play every day, you know, especially if he's not performing. I, I don't think we'll see a situation where he'll be in like a little bit of utility role, you know, playing you know three times a week type of thing. So I, I do think we'll see him go to AAA. But, and then also – I mean, he's certainly athletic enough. He certainly wells, runs well enough to play the outfield. My dogs are still going crazy in here for some reason. Um, he, you know, he, I mean, he, there's no question he can play the outfield. He just hasn't played much of it. So it also might be easier for him to get more innings there, say in AAA where the games don't matter if he, if he misplays a ball or something. Um, but, yeah, I, I think in the long term he very well might be a center fielder. You know, if Tatis locks down short and you have Cronenworth at second. Because I've seen them play him in right field this season for one couple games. I haven't seen him play center yet. Do you think that's something that they probably should be doing, you know, during batting practice and all of that? Or it just feels like right now they're focusing on him in right field. Yeah, I mean, he, he, I mean, he may be doing that. I mean, I, I, haven't, I mean, we haven't seen him shagging balls. But, yeah, I mean, they, they like Grisham in center field. So, I, you know, and, and while I think, you know, C.J., is, is definitely faster than Grisham. I mean, he's barely played any outfield that I know of. Um, I don't know how much he played before he got to the big leagues because he's, he's always played shortstop for the most part. So I think that may just be a case of like, look, we already have a quality defender in center. CJ's never played in the outfield. So we're going to keep him on a corner for now and, and let him kind of learn that way. I mean, you, you, you've often heard too that sometimes it's easier to play center just watching the ball come off the bat than kind of, you know, flaring down the lines. It, it could be a little bit more difficult, but I, I'm sure that's it. I, I think long-term, you're looking at him as a center fielder. I think he really profiles as a center fielder, but he just really hasn't played there much. So you're, you're, you're breaking him in a little more gently. Right. And then with this power offensively, we've. You broke up on me a little bit, Ben. It, it froze. I can't, I can't hear you right now.
Oh, I froze. Okay. I think Jim's coming back on here. There we am. You yeah, got me? Okay. Yeah, it just froze up. It froze up on me. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Me too. Okay. What was going on? So. I think we're all yeah, good you, here. We're starting to talk about CJ Abrams' power when we got yeah. up. Yeah, just is he going to be – do you see him more as a 20-home run guy or eventually 25-30 if he really gets, you know, more uh, weight, it puts him on more weight and all that? Yeah, I, I think he's probably more of a 20-home run guy for me. I mean, that said – He's real young. I think he's got more power than people anticipated when he when he went in the draft. Um, and I may be underestimating him. It's just it's hard for me to go over twenty right now because again we just haven't seen a whole lot of him. You know, I thought right. he might have been more of that fifteen to twenty homer guy coming out of the draft, and, and I'll go twenty now. And you know, maybe a year from now I, I'd go twenty five. But I, I do think, I mean, she, if he hits twenty home runs with his hitting ability and with his speed and with the, the defensive value he's going to bring wherever he winds up playing. I mean, that, that, that's still an all-star caliber player. I mean, CJ CJ could probably be an all-star caliber player if he's hitting 12 or 15 home runs a year. Right, yeah. I agree. I agree. Kind of like a Jake Cronenworth where he's not going to, like, hit 30, but he's a, he's a good, versatile player. Um, hmm. With Kevin Copps, reliever in the farm system, obviously, he's in double A right now. He said his goal – I talked to him on the show this offseason during the lockout. He said – he told me his goal was to impact this team – in 2022 do you think that's you know a real realistic goal with him yeah i think it's possible i mean he's a little bit of a hard guy to figure out i mean there aren't too many guys with a draft profile like him he was a six-year guy at arkansas because of injuries in the pandemic he wanted to win the golden spikes award as the top amateur baseball performer in the united states you know i know that there's some question i mean he threw it's it was a really good slider in college and he threw it a ton Made one start at the end of the year and pitched really well on that start as well. Yeah, you know, I just think there was there was some question in terms of where he'd fit in the draft just because it was such a slider heavy approach. I mean, hasn't pitched a lot in pro ball, but he's still been pretty effective. He's kind of your classic. You know, I think he's already twenty five years old, isn't he? Which is crazy because right. this is first full pro season. Mm-hmm. But you know, he's kind of your classic. He's gonna have to prove it at Double A. He's got to prove it at Triple A. Not proving the big leagues, but I think they'll give him the chance. I mean, and I mean, he's he's more of a you know, you're not trying to develop him as a starter. I don't think you're, you know, there's a whole lot you're trying to change with him. You're hoping you have the Kevin Cops, you know, you had in Arkansas who wiped out people with this slider, had enough fastball to keep guys, you know, from sitting on the slider 100% of the time. Um, you know, pure reliever. You're not trying to add pitches, I don't think. You're not trying to, you know, make changes. So if he goes out and lights up double A for four weeks, six weeks, eight weeks, you run up to triple A. And if it works there, he's in the big leagues. So, I mean, I'll admit he was hard to figure out in the draft last year exactly where we should rank him, where he was going to go. But you can't argue with his results. Um, and yeah, I, I don't think it's unrealistic. I mean, when you t- whoever took Kevin Copps, and it was obviously the Padres, you weren't taking Kevin Copps thinking, okay, we're going to develop him for a couple of years and we hope he's ready for the big leagues by the end of 2023. You were taking him thinking this guy's going to be in the big leagues really quick. So, I, you know, I, I still. Like I, I don't know exactly what to make because it's such a slider-heavy approach, mm-hmm. but it's hard to argue with his results the last two years. And, and I do think we'll see him in the big leagues. I, you know, I'll be curious to see how he does. But yeah, I actually think we will see him in the big leagues. If I had to bet, I, I would bet we will see him in the big leagues at some point this year. Yeah, because he was telling me uh, that there was a story of when he was at Arkansas during the SEC tournament, Preller was scouting him, and he asked one of I think the assistants 
to tell the coach, the coaching staff to ask if he could throw more fastballs because of how less he just was not throwing the fastball very much. Um, and then moving to the future outfield, I think, you know, Joshua Mears, Robert Hassel, the third, where do you think they could end up? They're both, I think high a right now, where do you think they could end up at the end of this season? In terms of like what level? Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, I think they both have the ability to move to double a this year. Um, you know, it's, it's even though Mears is older and is, I think been in pro ball year longer than Hassel, if I'm correct on that, I think Hassel's probably got the ability to move up more. Um, I, I just think he, he Robert's such a good hitter that I don't think he's necessarily going to struggle, even though he's young for high A at age 20. Whereas Mears has the big power, but it comes with a lot of strikeouts. I mean, I'm not reading too much into the first week or so of the season, but I mean, he's already struck out, I think, 16 times in however many games they've played, Mears has. Um, and so I could see him struggling with the, with the caliber of pitching in high A, but I, I would, I would, I guess I would be surprised if Robert Hassel isn't in double A at some point in the second half of the season. Cause I, I, I just think he's such a good hitter that it, it held his way there. Right. And then moving to uh, James Wood. I, I love this kid. Uh, just super athletic. He played basketball, I believe in high school as well as a two sport athlete. He's already hit two home runs in that first game of the season. He's dealt with, I think he has a hand injury. Power. I think I, oh, you got me? Yeah, I think you came back. You, okay. Yeah. Do you have a, go ahead. Yeah. Okay. So do you think that there's more room for him to develop offensively in terms of power? Like he could get even more bigger? Or is it the Padres just really want him to focus on that defense? Because it seems like that his defense was actually better than what they thought it was going to be last year. Like he exceeded some expectations. Yeah, I mean, I think the key with him is he's just going to be hitting. You know, he, he was a guy who had easy first-round tools last year and he had a rough spring at the IMG Academy. There was a ton of swing and miss. And guys were worried about the hitting ability, which is why the Padres were able to take him in the second round. And he's, he's been, you know, not a big sample size, but he was great in his debut, you know, four for eight this year before he, he got sidelined. Um, you know, I, I don't think they're necessarily looking for him to like, like, like he's got so much bat speed and strength and leverage. He's going to have plenty of power just naturally. He doesn't have to worry about trying to develop power. I think it's just making consistent contact. That's going to be the key. If he makes consistent contact, he'll hit 25 or 30 home runs a season um, and he can really run. Um, so, yeah, I, I think, you know, I mean, they want to continue. Like, if you could get him in center field, that'd be great. If not, you know, I think he profiles well in right field too. So that's that's fine. I mean, you, you never have too much talent. But, like, if, if all their prospects are, are close to their ceiling, then I think CJ is probably the long-term center fielder of the future. Mm -hmm. And you'd have Wood and, and Hassel on the corners. But I, I think at this point they just want to get at bats and continue to develop the plate because they were they were thrilled with the way, way he performed last year. And I, I know there are people – in the Potters organization who think he's their number two prospect in the system behind CJ Abrams, like, like his, like his ceiling is huge. So if he hits, he, he's going to be really, really good. So you, you do think that they're going to definitely use him as an outfielder and definitely probably try to have him as a corner outfielder of the future and not at like DH. Well, no, he, yeah, he, he can definitely play the outfield. 
and like they may even try right. to see I me. Mean, he runs pretty well too. Like I, I mm-hmm. you know, I, I haven't looked to see who's on what team and how they're they're allocating the playing time. I know he's he's sideline right now, but well, I, I think he you can give him some time in center. But like he's he's definitely athletic enough. He doesn't need to DH. Like if one of these guys had DH, I mean Joshua Mears, I think would be more of a Mears, DH. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Wood is a tremendous tremendous athlete. Um, and then with Brent Rooker, they got him back obviously in that Taylor Rogers opening day deal. He's in AAA. Some were surprised that he wasn't on the big league roster. I, I know he's hit, I think, a couple home runs uh, in AAA already. Do you? Why isn't he up? That, I guess that's my question. And do you see him coming up soon because they need some more uh, power, probably, you know, off the bench? Yeah, maybe. I mean, I, I'll be honest. I've been doing a lot of draft stuff, so I haven't necessarily analyzed like what the rosters look like for you know every club. I don't know, mm-hmm. like composition wise, like. You know, maybe they wanted a guy, you know, like him versus, say, CJ. You know, you know, you're talking about who could do more now. If CJ can give you some some flexibility where he could play the infield, whereas Rooker's more of that, you know, he's a probably fringy at best corner outfielder, you know, more of that first base DH type. So my guess is for now they wanted more of a more of a guy who could, you know, like like if you're looking at him versus CJ. CJ can do a lot more things. And, and maybe with, with Brent, they want to get him going a little bit in AAA because if he's not hitting, he's not really helping your club. Um, so maybe that's part of it. Um, you know, I, I liked him out of the draft when the Twins took him. Um, you know, he had a really good, really good career at Mississippi State. Um, you know, he didn't have a great year last year with the Twins. I think he, he expanded the strike zone too much, and, and that got him into trouble. But, like, I think there's a guy, you know, he might be more of that offensive-minded fourth outfielder, really, than a everyday player or maybe he's you know, more of a platoon guy um type of thing but you know it, it's again i don't know the specifics of why he didn't go straight to the big leagues but i also don't think at this point he's a slam dunk big leaguer where it's like this guy clearly should be playing in the major leagues because his talent's so obvious you know he he hasn't really proven a whole lot in the big leagues and he's kind of a one-dimensional guy where if he doesn't hit he, he's not really helping your team a whole lot right Gil here, uh, one of the fans watching here. This is a good question, I think. Ethan Salas, catcher, uh, he says close to five million on the international market. When is that international draft 2023? And so they'd be able to get Salas uh, this year. So is he signed yet? Is I don't Salas- believe so. no, I don't believe so. So is he a 20? Oh, look, I think. Because I know I heard something about the international draft. Yeah, I was going to say, it hasn't been agreed so to. It yet. says he's class of 2024. Okay. okay. Class of 2024. So that would be interesting because they haven't agreed to an international draft yet. Um, okay. You know, the, the way it works is if they if the union agrees to have an international draft and they, were they I think, want to know more details on how quickly it would be phased in, if they agree to that, then they will eliminate compensation for free draft compensation for free agents, which theoretically would, you know, make it would be better for the free agents who are on the market who are restricted with teams that don't want to go draft picks. You know, I don't think anybody knows how quickly they would phase it in. Um, you know, the, like this year, the, the 2021-2022 class was business as usual. Those guys started to sign January. They can sign throughout the summer. The class of 2023. You know, I, I don't, I don't know if they would face it in that quickly. I mean, like part of the reason MLB wants to have the draft, as you know, Ben, is is the guys agree to terms, 
one, two, three years in the future, which baseball, it's not a great look. You have 13-year-olds agreeing to deals um, on paper. or not necessarily officially on paper, but they agree to deals, and it's not a great look. Now, I, you know, honestly, I don't know. Like, if they, I, I do feel that we will have an international draft, that my guess is the union will agree to it to get rid of free agent compensation. I don't know that we would necessarily have a 2023 international draft. I don't know if we'd have a 2024 international draft because there are already guys with agreements, and I don't know how well that would go over with players who've already agreed. Um, so I, I think it's very much up in the air. I, I would maybe be a little surprised if we had an immediate international draft that would affect the 2023 guys, but I could see that we might have one for 2024. Like that's that's more plausible. Then again, they could wait till 2025. Okay. Okay. Um, and then Luis Camposano, he's interesting. Uh, they obviously have Austin Nola right now catching, Jorge Alfaro catching tonight uh, with Nola DHing. With Camposano, like, is there going to be at some point where the Padres and A.J. Preller in the front office, they're going to have to determine and force their hand on if they're going to have to trade him or not while he's still, what, he's like 23? Like, so. Yeah, I mean, yeah he's, he's still fairly young. I mean, I do think the number of catchers they have and just how often you hear his name rumored to be in trade talks, I've always, I've, I've kind of felt like it's more likely he's going to get, you know, like he's going to probably get traded than I think he's going to necessarily be the Potter's catcher. I think they have other guys currently they like more than him at the big league level. You mentioned Nola. Um, but we'll see. But I, I do think that because they have catching depth, you know, I would say if the Potter's make a trade, but it's not going to be if when the Potter's make a trade because AJ Preller never rests. Um, I do think. He kind of, he might be that, uh, you know, he's probably the prospect that they'd be, uh, who'd be more easy to part with, if that makes sense. I think you cut up there. Can you repeat that real quick? Yeah, yeah. I was going to say, like, I, I just think they have other catching options. And he's always struck me as a guy who, when AJ Preller looks to make a trade, um, and AJ always makes trades, I think he's probably the best prospect that they'd be like able to part with, you know, mm-hmm. I, I don't see him trading like a CJ Abrams. I don't think they want to trade a Robert Hassel or Mackenzie mm-hmm. Gore, but I could, I could see them in trading a Luis Camposano. So like if the next time they make a big deal, you know, swing a major, you know, another AJ Preller blockbuster, I could see Luis Camposano maybe being part of that. Okay. And then what last one here, can you tell us a little bit about Corey Howell? I think it's shortstop in that, that he, they got back in the Caratini deal and what, the Padres, I guess, plan is with him. Yeah, I mean, Corey's a guy who's like um, a super athletic kid. He was a junior college pro- product, um, and I think he just he needs time to develop. Really, um, if he's got some tools, he can really run. Um, you know, he's not just a, a slappy hitter. He can, you know, he's not going to be a slugger, but he can do some things. I think it's just a matter of. You know, he, he's, he's bounced around a little. He's played some center. He's played some short. He's played some second. He's just trying to find, you know, what position he can thrive at the most. Um, I think already, I'm going to just look at his call stats. He's already played short, second, center, and right field uh, since he's been in San Antonio, and that's been, what, like a week. But, um, you know, I just think he's, he's still kind of raw, and it's just he's a guy who – another one of these guys who could have really used a full season of at-bats in 2020 and lost him to the pandemic. Um, and just needs to get at bats so they can polish him up. Because, I mean, he, like I said, he can really run. He's versatile. He can play all over the place. There is some power. You know, super interesting guy. Um, you know, he's still young for him. He's 23, but he's still young for double A. I think it's just a matter of 
of getting him some playing time and, and figuring out what exactly you have in him. But he's, he, you know, he's kind of a classic Padres prospect in that he's got a lot of tools, um, high upside guy, you know, some risk and reward there. Mm. Um, but like, I, I wasn't shocked when I heard he was in the deal. Like he's, he's kind of a classic Padres type prospect. Mm. All right. This has been fun. Thank you so much, Jim Callis for the time. Uh, draft guru. I know he's working a lot on the draft right now. Prospect guru as well for MLB.com and MLB Network, MLB Pipeline uh, with Jonathan Mayo. Does great work. Episode 151 of the Talking Fires podcast and YouTube show. This has been Ben Fadden with Jim Callis. Thank you everyone so much for listening or watching, tuning in, and I'll see you next time.